Hi, I'm Mike Darter. Welcome back to the CCWSA podcast. I'm the co-founder and CEO. And today I'm going to talk to Jennifer Chance. And she has been with us now for how long? Almost a year. A year? Yeah, in wow, January. time flies. <laughs> it does. So uh, I just want to kind of, I would like to get to know you more. And I know, you know, a lot of our members were. So why don't you just kind of do an introduction about yourself? Like what got you started on your path in law? And we'll go from there. So when I was an undergrad <clears throat> at the University of Central Oklahoma, I worked at a law firm as a file clerk. And at that point, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And <laughs> science and math weren't my best subjects. But uh, one day when I was at work, my boss came in and he was fired up about winning something. And I was a fairly competitive person because I was an athlete my whole life. And I realized that the practice of law was sometimes competitive and you could win. And so I thought, well, I'll just go to law school. <laughs> and here we are. And so what sports did you play? I was, I was a swimmer and I ran track and cross country. Okay. And then I was a cheerleader in, in college. At? At the University of Central Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. And then, so you went to OU Law School? I did school. go to OU Law School, <clears throat> yes. And you got in first time? You got, yeah. you did the... <laughs> Yeah, I applied once, got in once, or got in the first time I tried, and then um, the last thing I thought I would go into as a lawyer was criminal law, and I'm a retired prosecutor, so, so you never know. Um, I started out in Dallas as a property okay. tax and commercial litigator, mm -hmm. and it was kind of boring, and really the only way to see a courtroom in, a, in trial is to be a, in criminal law, mm -hmm. and so I became a prosecutor. I was a prosecutor in a small town in Oklahoma um, for a couple of years, and then I came to Oklahoma County. Okay. And what town did you start in? Shawnee. Oh, okay. Shawnee. Yeah. So that's Ottawa a... County. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, is, that the, is that what drove you to go to criminal law, to get more, like, jury experience, trial experience? Yes. Yeah, so in law school, I was on the competitive trial teams, and really the, the only way to get into court in jury trials consistently is to be a prosecutor. And so that's what led me to, to be a prosecutor. My husband, boyfriend at the time, was a prosecutor in Oklahoma County. And so I heard all the stories that, you know, the trials that he was getting to do and, and it sounded fun. And so I came home from Texas and my first job was in Shawnee in Oklahoma. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I spent a lot of time at the Oklahoma County yeah. courthouse <laughs> in my past. Um, so how long did you, how long were you a prosecutor? Uh, uh, let's see, 14 years. Oh, wow. 14 years, yeah. And then you ended in Oklahoma County? No, I, my, I retired from the governor's office. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So after Oklahoma County, I worked for Governor Fallon. Okay. And retired from the state as her general counsel. What was your favorite part of being a prosecutor? Oh, <clears throat> I loved all of it. Um, I think that when I was there in Oklahoma County, we started the cold case unit. Yeah. And that was, I have a really memorable case of a colleague's mother that I handled. And I worked with that colleague in Shawnee and his mother was, his mm -hmm. mother's murder had gone unsolved for decades. Mm -hmm. And I think that was my favorite overall experience was mm -hmm. 
working on that case, helping solve that case, and helping prosecute that case. I was going to ask if you had a memorable case. Is that, was that, uh, how long had that been unsolved? Oh, she was murdered, I think, in the early 80s. How did you become associated with CCW Safe or come to know about CCW Safe? So Gary Eastridge was mm -hmm. an investigator in the DA's office when I was there. And um, after he left and after I left, we would see each other at like FOP events and things mm -hmm. like that. And he, was, he would tell me what he's doing. And I was like, that is the most genius <laughs> company I've ever heard of. And I told him, I'm like, I, if they ever need anyone, I want to work there. And I, I told him that for years. And so about this time last year, he called me. He knew I was retired and mm -hmm. knew I you know, wanted to mostly be at home with my children. But, mm -hmm. you know, they're getting older. I've been at home for six years. And he's, he said, you know, they're looking for someone and you may be a great fit. Are you at all interested? And I said, absolutely. Give them my number. <clears throat> so... Uh, now that you are, that you've been here a year, mm -hmm. um, I'd like to get kind of what your thoughts are from your um, initial um, knowledge of the company um, and maybe something that you've worked on, some experience you have with the company now mm -hmm. and uh, what your thoughts are now being here a year. Well, I think it's a brilliant company, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because you're the owner. It's The services are incredible, and um, I bought my brother-in-law mm -hmm. a CCW Safe membership for Christmas, and all of my friends, I tell them, you know, if you, if you are a gun owner and you, you know, intend to protect yourself or your home with your firearm, you should be a member. It's, it's a no-brainer. Um, <clears throat> And I think that the company, the structure of the company and the philosophy of the company and then the, the, all of the resources that the company provides, I think it's incredible. And, and I think that it is um, underutilized. I know that we have a lot of members, mm -hmm. tens of thousands, but I think that it's, it's underutilized by Definitely. gun owners. Mm -hmm. yeah. gun, and, and I've seen... I mean, I've, I've taken the emergency calls in the middle of the night, and it's even when they don't end up needing our services, they have, you know, our members have a support in the middle mm -hmm. of the night. You, you know, anytime they need us, there's somebody that's going to answer the phone or call back immediately. And it's really in a time of absolute crisis. Yeah, it is. And that's, uh, <clears throat> you know, even if... and. Even if it's something that falls outside of our terms, like it's mm -hmm. not related to a self-defense incident, mm -hmm. we get calls on that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and even on that, um, to a lot of these people, um, that's a huge crisis they're going through. And even if it's something outside our terms, a lot of times we end up still working with them mm -hmm. as far as, you know, letting them, finding someone to help them or, mm -hmm. you know, finding an avenue for them. Um, is there a, um, and I think, I think our, uh, core values, mm -hmm. uh, really kind of drive this company, everybody in it, but also, you know, to our members mm -hmm. of what we, 
what we stand for. I think it is very underutilized. I don't think people, um, I don't think people think about it as much. Um, and I get a, a lot of times, I still get a lot of times where, where people like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, the last one when I was talking to Chris, she talked about one of the things she really liked about this company was that people don't know that they are about to get steamrolled mm -hmm. in this process. Mm -hmm. That um, whether it's because uh, they're, they're being charged or um, there could be things, you know, from county to county, mm -hmm. things vary so much, state to state, things vary so much. And you have some counties that are very professional. You have some counties that are ridden with corruption or incompetence, mm -hmm. you know, and there's just a very, the, the uh, rate of service, I guess, through our mm -hmm. legal system varies so much across the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does. And so uh, prosecutors have unfettered discretion. It and it's necessary for mm -hmm. prosecutors to have that discretion because every case is different and cases can change rapidly or slowly several mm -hmm. times throughout the prosecution of a case. And the I mean, the first thing a prosecutor is going to do is make a charging decision. And we make those charging decisions like this. You're the policeman, you have some paperwork, I'm sitting here and you're telling me the story. Mm -hmm. You didn't experience the story, you're repeating what the eyewitnesses told you and what little evidence we have right now, scientific evidence, but we need to make a charging decision right now because mm -hmm. if somebody's dead, somebody's you know used a gun to kill that person, is this person dangerous, is they, are they not? You know, mm -hmm. And there's a whole bunch of liabilities and duties that the police and the prosecutors have to keep the community safe. And so that's, that's the number one thing. And, and there's risk to prosecutors and police mm -hmm. of saying, let's just let this person go and figure it all out. Mm -hmm. that's, not, that's not usually what's gonna happen, yeah. right? We're gonna say, okay, well, we have enough, we've got probable cause and that's completely enough to charge somebody and hold them on first degree murder or assault with a deadly, you know, assault and battery with a deadly weapon. Mm -hmm. And and so at that moment, you you know, the shooter or the person that's defending themselves is in our system. Mm -hmm. And they have you have zero control over your destiny at that right. point. Right. And then so the first thing you have to do is you have to get bonded out of jail, which a, you know, a murder charge in Oklahoma County is gonna be your bond is denied. Mm -hmm. You know, in other places, it's going to be a million dollars. Why? Because nobody can po post a million dollar bond. Mm -hmm. And but if you have us, you can post a million dollar bond. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're a bondsman, and um, and that's that's just the beginning. Right. And so you're charged, then you're arraigned, and then you're expecting the police and the detectives and all the the CSIs and the TIs and the labs to do all of this work. Well, what if the evidence isn't collected? Mm -hmm. What if it's not collected properly? Well, what if it is all collected, which happens often, but it's not processed? Mm -hmm. Or it's not processed quickly enough because there's six mm -hmm. other or 600 other murder, murder cases yeah. in front of you or whatever. And so, so it's you, the first thing, it, it's all money. It's, you have to have a ton of resources to effectively defend really any major felony crime. 
and very few people have that. Mm -hmm. And you're certainly, the public defender's office doesn't have that, right? And, and it really legitimately to defend a major felony, major violent, violent felony, you're going to need $200,000 to a million dollars in attorney and expert and investigative resources. Because you, you always have to have experts to review what the state labs have done. Mm -hmm. Because there can be mistakes made or there can be different interpretations made. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then is it, did they get all of the, the video, the traffic camera? And so there's just so much evidence that can be collected yeah. that sometimes is collected in very experienced jurisdictions like Oklahoma County. Mm -hmm. And then you have jurisdictions with fewer resources and fewer expertise that may have two detectives mm -hmm. and, and, and you know, have to rely on a state crime lab. And unless they call in the state Bureau of Investigation, there's, mm -hmm. the investigation's over. And so it's, you, you really need to have as many resources as possible and everything is expensive, everything. Yeah. And you have to know the quality of those resources. You're talking about expert right. witnesses. Right. You can get, we talked about the, you're talking about the, uh, the extreme amount of variance in the legal system. That's the same thing with experts. You have experts that you really have to know, you have to have somebody that knows who the experts are within the experts. Right. And I think, you know, typically, I mean, I, I and when we started this company, we knew 500,000 was right about the cost of what it would mm -hmm. cost. And a lot of times not having um, the resources and not even in money, but not having the resources of having a team mm -hmm. and the knowledge you're gonna spend more mm -hmm. because you're gonna get experts that don't that yeah that don't work out yeah <clears throat> um, so you end up double spending a lot mm -hmm. often I think when you don't have if you try to do it on your own mm -hmm. you know and that's one thing that uh, several of our members have brought up in the past it's like I could add a million dollars I don't know what to do exactly you know and I I was when I was a police officer like I said I was in court uh, for you know probably eight years six to eight years of the ten years I was on Oklahoma City I was in mm -hmm. court every week mm -hmm. you know on prelims and stuff and when my shooting happened I didn't know like I I knew all the defense attorneys but I really didn't know who the who to hire mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. on mine mm -hmm. um, so that's what having the FOP there mm -hmm. was like I didn't have to worry about any of that and that mm -hmm. stress level goes way down there's still some stress involved with it but you know when you're not having to make these decisions and and really write that check mm -hmm. that's what is the yeah. biggest thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, do, do you think that uh, if, do you think money comes into play into prosecution if there's somebody that does have a lot of money or does have a lot of resources, is, does that come into play in cases, in different cases, and it may be, you know, cases that are more, uh, maybe not a slam dunk case, but cases are really going to have to be worked on. Mm -hmm. Does that come into play at all? Well, it, it, absolutely. And I wouldn't say that it comes into play where, oh, a, as a prosecutor, I don't want to deal with this. Mm -hmm. But so every step along the way, and so let's just fast forward to 
we are set for jury trial mm -hmm. and we're getting, you know, you have to turn over expert reports. And so, so as a prosecutor, I'm, if I'm receiving expert reports, then I'm going to consider those in, because my goal was to get to the right result, mm -hmm. you know, and I had cases where early on the evidence might have alibied who we charged mm -hmm. and you, by being on a computer playing games and I was relying on the FBI where is this person? Is mm -hmm. this person at the crime scene or is he on his computer playing this game? Mm -hmm. And, and so, so experts like that, but then if I, you know, shooting experts or crime scene reconstruction, if like, for example, if I didn't, if I didn't have a crime scene reconstructionist, which I normally would have, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason you, you know, CCW say brings me the crime scene reconstruction, I'm going to say, okay, I want to give this to my expert and I want to see what their opinion is. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that it can drive the, it, for me, it would drive me as a prosecutor to be looking at that expert evidence, consulting with my experts and saying, mm -hmm. is this consistent? Are we going down the right road here? Was it self-defense? Was it not self-defense? And, and so that's how it would affect me. Mm -hmm. Some prosecutors, some prosecutors maybe are scared to go to trial at mm -hmm. times mm -hmm. or, you know, some work harder than others. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's like any other profession. There are right. aggressive, diligent, work really hard prosecutors. And there, there are some that are like, well, I mean, if this is what your experts say, then yeah. let's just move on down the road yeah. and can we plea it out or, or whatever. And so, so it, it can affect prosecutors differently, mm -hmm. but it, you know, it can affect plea negotiations. It can affect the level of charge, you know, there's a difference between shooting with intent to kill and a, a you know, misdemeanor unlawful discharge of a firearm. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes prosecutors to get, you know, to save face or get something out of the charge, right. well, maybe we could amend it to a misdemeanor, would your guy take a deal? And so, absolutely. And the quality of defense attorney, mm -hmm. I would say that, I mean, the quality of defense attorney, I, because I have, I've been preparing for trials with really great trial lawyers mm -hmm. on the other side and not great trial lawyers on the other side. And that always enters into your mind mm -hmm. when you're preparing, you know, I, I, and, and then when you're in the midst of a trial with a, with a defense attorney you've never been with and you're like, okay, that like they are legitimate and they <laughs> yeah. are a formidable opponent yeah. and you got to be on your mm -hmm. game. And yeah. so, it does, it does matter. I mean, we're all humans, you know, everybody yeah. has a different work ethic they're willing to do and, and, and that you can do, right. you know, prosecutors are really busy, you know, and if you have a criminal defense lawyer, this is the only thing going on on that docket for that lawyer. And they mm -hmm. can pour all of their resources into that. Prosecutors don't usually have that luxury. Right. Um, and I think another good, uh, um, I think another important thing is the timeliness that things are mm -hmm. done. Um, you know, locking things down. Prosecutors don't always have the luxury of locking things down immediately, mm -hmm. like day one. Like we get a call uh, that an uh, incident has happened. We have boots on the ground the next day. Mm -hmm. That may not be in the prosecutor's hand mm -mm. until weeks later. Right. And we've seen in trial situations where a lot of that doesn't get done years later, mm -hmm. a year later, until right before the trial. Mm -hmm. So, 
Um, so we're going to wrap it up. Um, I want to thank you for coming. And is there anything, like just closing out, what would you say to our members? I would, I would say that they have the best company for this service in the country. And I just, I love it. It's a, it's a brilliant business model and it's a brilliant service. And I, I think that the value is, is beyond really anything that the member can understand until they yeah. have to use until the Until they service. have to use it, yeah. yeah. And we hope you don't ever have to use it. But if you do, um, you know Jennifer now, she may be answering that call for you. And uh, so you know you're in good hands. So thanks for coming. Thank I'd like to wish you a, a, a happy new year. All of our members, a happy new year, 2024. Let's go.